Bibles today to Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter number 6. We started in Romans chapter 6 last Sunday. And today we're going to begin in verse number 9 and uh, go down through, try to get through verse number 16 today. Uh, if we can get along through here. I, there's a, a, a couple of points. I'm sorry. What? Go see what your mama want. I can't hear what she's saying. <laughs> I'm not good at reading lips. <laughs> All right. Uh, verse, verse number 10, or verse 9, I'm sorry. We're going to try to get down to verse number 16. This, uh, there's a couple of points in here that I want to kind of focus on as we go along. And, and verse number uh, 13 is really what drew me to the passage. And it's kind of what I'm focusing on through the passage as we, as we consider what Paul is telling us here, when he tells us verse 13, he says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And I, that, that word yield is what drew me to this particular study as I was looking at this. And that word yield is a very interesting word, and so we'll get to that when we get down there to verse number 13, and hopefully we'll be able to do that today. That's my intention, to get down to, to verse number uh, 16 anyway in our study. But we begin here in verse number 9, and, we, and Paul, of course, he's, he's telling us, uh, he begins in the, the first part of the passage we looked at last week, and he's describing to us, uh, what grace, what we have in grace. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? He says, that grace may abound. And he says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So if, if uh, uh, sin, uh, or grace rather, by no means gives us license to sin. No, I don't have the key. Mommy has them in her purse. I'm sorry. Heather's having low blood sugar toward this. She's having to go get, send one of the kids to get her something. All right. So, this, this grace does not give us a license to sin. And this is what Paul is in reference to here in this first part. And he, and he then describes to us, he begins there as we looked at last time, our death to self and alive unto Christ Jesus. What we have what we have in Him and, and the life that He has given us in, in His grace that He's poured out on us, death that dying to ourselves, we are reckoning ourselves, as we'll look here in this passage, even verse number 11, we are reckoning ourselves dead unto sin or counting ourselves as dead unto sin and alive in Christ Jesus. And so he says here in verse number 9, he says, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And so verse 11, he says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. That's Again, Paul is restating this question that he's already asked in the first part of the chapter. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. All right, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we continue on in our study this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you again for this day. Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings that you pour out on us, for the opportunity again to be in your house today. We pray that you'd open your word before us, that you give us understanding of these things, Father, as we study in, as we look to what your word has for us, that you might teach us by your word, that you might draw us unto yourself, that you'd help us, Father to be better servants for Thy name as we seek out Your Word this day and study these things. Father, we're so thankful for what You've provided for us in Your grace and the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is astounding, Father, what Your grace has accomplished. It is astounding what it does in our stead and on our behalf. And so we praise You, Father, for what You've accomplished in this. We thank You so much for Your blessings that You pour out upon us. And Father, each day as we go through our day, help us to be a people that are mindful of your blessings, thankful for what you pour out upon us each day, uh, that we might exalt you, that we might praise you, that we might worship you as you deserve to be worshipped and praised and honored for all that you pour out upon us. Help us to be a people, Father, that has a zeal for you. Help us to be a people that has a heart, Father, to worship and serve You and honor Your name. Help us, Father, that we would set our lives as a, a, a desire in our hearts would come forth, that we would, it would be our heart's desire, it would be our, our life's goal to honor You and to glorify Your name. Father, help us to be a people that desires and, and works, Father, to do that, to glorify the name of our Lord. Father, we realize that we need your help in all things. And in, in the simple, basic things of life, we have to have you. And so these big things, Father, to glorify you, uh, we need you all the more. And so we pray that you'd help us, that you would empower us, that you'd strengthen us to do these things. For we realize that we cannot do it without you. Oh, go with us now, Father. As we study your word, open it before us that we might learn of it and learn of you and learn of ourselves and how we might serve you all the more. For we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Now, Paul says again, verse number 9, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. 
But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, death had no power over Christ. We understand that that's, that's what the Scripture teaches us. The reality of, of what our Lord came to do. He gave Himself to death. He gave His life for us. Because death itself had no power over Him. Death comes because of sin. That is the wages of sins. Paul will tell us in the last verse even of this particular chapter, the wages of sin is death. That's where death comes from, is sin. Jesus committed no sin. There was no sin at all in Him. He didn't even have the nature of sin in Him passed on from Adam. That's the reason the virgin birth was so essential. Is that that... that uh, Old nature, that nature of Adam would not be passed on in the Lord Jesus. He, that's the reason he had to be virgin born. So that, that wouldn't be on him. And then he lived a perfect sinless life. There was no sin in him at all. The scripture declares that to us over and over again. He declared it of himself. Satan had nothing in me, he said. There was nothing that could be laid to his charge as a transgression of God's law. There was no sin in him at all. And so death had no power over him. The fact that he died is the fact that he gave himself to death by taking our sins upon himself. And so in his death, he died for us, you see. But he died once. He died once. And this is what Paul's telling us here in this particular passage. He, he died one time and now he's raised from death, and death has no more dominion over it. He, he finished the work that He came to do. He, he gave Himself for our sins, and death has no dominion over Him. For in that He died, He says, He died unto sin once. It wasn't His though. It was ours. That's what He died for. He didn't die for His sin. And, and listen... There is, there is people today that are claiming to be Christian. There are people today that are claiming to know Christ. There are people that are claiming religion. They are claiming all sorts of things about being a Christian and so on. And they have such a wrong idea of who Jesus is. They have the idea that somehow Jesus being all man and all God at the same time, and they waver on that reality... But then they, they say, well, because he was man, then, then he, he, he may have sinned as well, they say. Well, he, he, may, have, he may have done, he may have failed as well. He, 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 I heard one guy even say one time, well, nobody's perfect, not even Jesus is perfect. Well, you don't know who Jesus is. That's the simple reality. There was no sin in him whatsoever. He could not sin. Why? Because he's God, you see. He's God in the flesh. He is the immutable God. And yet He did so in flesh. Lived a perfect sinless life. He earned righteousness. He, he obeyed His Father. Learned even, and that, that is hard for me to even grasp, the fact that He learned obedience, the Scripture says. In, in growing, that he grew in knowledge and the stature of the Lord as he grew. These things are realities of who he is, and there was no sin in him. No sin in him at all, you see. No sin in him. And so the fact that he died unto sin once, Paul says in verse number 10, is not his sin. 
sours. That's what was on him. That's what he, that's what he endured for us. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And so this, Paul's given this, this example of Christ about what he's done for us and then how we then are to live as Christ, in Christ. That we are to reckon ourselves, he goes on to say in verse number 11, dead to sin. We're to count ourselves there. That word reckon is the, the Greek word logizomos. Logizomos. <laughs> and the root word is logos, the word. And so literally it means to reckon or to count, to logically reason. And we logically reason by the word, you see. We logically reason out. We, 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 we count it up. In other words, we do the, we do the math here. When we look at the Word of God and we understand as we look into it, as we reckon, as we count these things, we then count and understand, wait a minute, this is what Christ Jesus has done for me. This is what He's accomplished for me. And so if this is what He's done, if He's died once unto sin, and that sin being mine, then I am to be dead to that sin because that sin's paid for in Christ. It's taken from me. It is washed from me. I am to be dead to that sin, not living for those things. And so I need to reckon myself or count myself or some say even consider myself. I don't like that as much as I like count or reckon there. But he says we, we need to count ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is what he tells us there in verse number 4, or verse 3 and verse 4 of what our baptism even is representing. Is that in the, 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 the dipping into the water there, as we are dipped down, we are showing that we are reckoning ourselves dead in Christ Jesus. Dead to ourselves. Dead to this old flesh. Dead to ourselves. And then as we raise up out of the water, we are showing that we are raised with Christ Jesus in a newness of life that we are now going to be following Him. We're going to serve Him. That's going to be the, the, the desire of our heart. That's to be the direction of our lives. That's to be the path that we are going to follow from this day forward. I, I am raised to serve my Lord. I am raised to follow after Him, to serve Him. And that's what He's telling us here in verse 11. To reckon ourselves dead. Go over to 2 Corinthians and look with me here at what Paul says. Uh, in regards to, to, to dying to self here. 2 Corinthians 4, uh, verse number 7 is where we'll begin. And Paul's describing here his service uh, to the Lord and what he has given of himself. Uh, he's describing here how uh, he's laid self aside. His purpose is to serve the Lord and to serve the Lord for the people that he was coming to. And he says here in verse 7, 
On down through the end of this chapter, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And that's what, he, what he'll say when he gets on over here to chapter number 12, this understanding that he, he has excuse me, now, is that, that in us, in these earthen vessels, in these old bodies made of clay, it is in our, our weaknesses, it is in our frailties that the power of Christ is seen by those around us, by this world. They are able to, to see these things. They are able to, to recognize these things. And so he says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of, may be of God and not of us. That as we serve Him, as we do for Him, as we serve others in Christ's name, they would see God and not see us. That they would see what comes from Him and not for the praise of us, but for the praise and glory of Him. And so He says, verse 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then... Death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Dying to self, living unto Christ is what he's talking about there. For our light affliction, Paul says, Paul says we, we, we die every day, he said. Every day. And all that he endured, stoning, running out of town, beatings, imprisoned, shipwrecks, snake bit, all the things that Paul endured in his ministry for the cause of Christ, for the sake of God's elect to go and to preach the gospel to them in all the places that he went, he calls it here a light affliction. Our light, our light affliction. Those afflictions don't always feel light in the moment. They don't always feel light. But Paul says they're light. Compared to eternity, compared to what is for Christ, compared to the glory of our God for our light affliction. Which is but for a moment, he says, worketh for us, for us, worketh for us, a far more exceeding 
and eternal weight of glory. Far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's where we're to fix our eyes. That's where we are to live our life. That's where our heart is to be on those things eternal. Not on those things temporal. Not on the things we see around us. Not on this whole world. But on that which is eternal. And the necessities of that eternal. That is our desire. That is what ought to be in us. That's what he's talking about in dying to self. Reckoning ourselves dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now he says in verse 12 of our text, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Now, if, if we are dead to sin, raised to walk in newness of life, as he describes in the first part of this chapter, if we are indeed dead to it, that it no longer has hold on us, that we are no longer bound by it, Paul says, then don't live in it. Don't continue in that. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. We are no longer in Christ. We are no longer controlled by our sin. But let me tell you, if you give sin a place, it will control you. If you give it a foothold in your life, you'll find yourself following after and as, as, as you give it a place, it never stays in place. Sin always grows. Because sin's purpose is always to destroy. That's what it does. It's, it's a cancer that eats away and does not stop. And it grows and grows and grows. That we cannot, we cannot give it a place in our lives. Listen, we're going to fail enough in omission. We're going to fail enough in ignorance. We don't need to be seeking out sin and giving it a place in us. Out, out, in this old flesh, we're going to fail Him every single day. Many, many times a day. We probably, just as we can't count our blessings, we probably can't count all our sins. The Lord does. He knows every one of them. But we, we, we don't even recognize them sometimes. When they come in us. And so we definitely, as, as, as people of, of, of God, we definitely do not need to be looking for opportunity to add sin in our lives. So we are, we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin, but also we can't let sin have a place in us. Don't let sin, he says, reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. A child of God can do that. Now, you're going to be chastened. God's not going to let you stay there. But He might allow it to grow a little. 
He might, he might give you your way for a time. You might, get, you might get a good distance from Him in that sin and just so that you can recognize the destruction that it brings. So maybe you can see what, what happens in it. But we're not to allow, we're not to give sin that place to reign in our mortal bodies. Because if we give it that place, it'll reign. It'll rain. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. And then he comes, verse 13, he says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So he says, if, in order for us not to allow sin to reign in our mortal bodies, then we need to yield ourselves, yield our bodies, these physical bodies, that we would yield them unto God to serve Him in this flesh as best as we can. Now we realize we, we have to have Him for everything, and he, he tells us there, again, neither yield uh, uh, your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but rather yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. To, not to yield to sin, not to yield to self, not to yield to wickedness, not to yield to Satan, but rather yield unto God. Yield yourselves unto God. As I said this word is, is a unique word. From what I can find, this is the only place, and Paul uses it several times here in chapter 6, as the word yield. As the word yield. Several times he uses it here. But this word is, is the word peristema in the Greek. And it means, the, the word para means close beside or with. Okay, that's, that's the prefix there, just to close beside or with. And the word histemi, which is the, the root there, stemi, found in the word, means to stand. And so the word itself means to stand close by. To stand close by. Uh, look with me at some other places the word is used. Go over to Luke chapter 1 and verse number 19. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 19. Now this is Gabriel coming to Zacharias, telling him about the birth of John the Baptist and what's going to take place. And it says there, verse number 19, And the angel answered, said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad times. That word stand there is that word peristema. The same word Paul uses for yield in Romans 6. Here is talk, Gabriel's talking about standing before the presence of God. That's, that's peristema there. 
Same word, standing there in the presence of God. Now, notice in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 22. And we see, and I'm not going to read you all the verses that, that are translated. I just want you to get you a couple of them, or a few of them here, so you understand what, how this word is used or translated in so many other places. Uh, Luke 2 verse 22, uh, it says here, And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. That's that word present there is the word peristema, to stand close by. They presented him to the Lord. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. So we see it as stand before, and we see present to there in, in uh, Luke 2. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. Acts chapter 1, verse number 3. This is speaking about uh, Jesus' revealing Himself after His resurrection. Here it says, To whom also He showed Himself alive after His passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. That word showed there. He showed Himself. He showed Himself is that word peristema. To stand close by. You see, that's, that's, he showed himself. He revealed himself there close by to them. So he made himself known after his resurrection. Acts chapter 4, verse number 26. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 26. Here as... They are preaching. Uh, well, let me back up just a little bit. Verse number uh, 23, it says, Being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Uh, the kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ, for the truth against, for a, for of a truth against Thy holy child Jesus, whom Thou hast anointed. Both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. That word there in verse number twenty-six, stood up, stood up, is that word peristema. The kings of the earth stood up. And the rulers gathered together against the Lord. They stood up together in rebellion against God. They stood close by in rebellion against Him. There's that word peristema. And then in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 27. Ephesians 5 and verse number 27. He's speaking here concerning the uh, church and what he has made her to be. And he says there in verse number 27, he says that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. 
So he present it to himself. That present there is that word peristema. As he presents it to to stand close beside in in presenting it to himself. Then one more in uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse number 15. You've heard, uh, well not verse 15, verse... uh, I think I wrote it down right. 2 Timothy 2, yeah, 2, verse 15. I was looking at chapter 3. I couldn't find it. 2 Timothy 2, verse number 15. He says here, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show thyself approved. There's that word parastema again. To, to show thyself. To present thyself. To stand close by is what he is declaring to us here in this this passage. And so when you consider it from the perspective of what it means here, listen to what he's telling us here. Neither yield ye, don't stand up with sin. Especially like the kings of the earth that stood up against God. That in rebellion stood up close beside each other. Don't stand up with the things of this world. Don't stand up with sin. Don't come alongside it standing arm in arm and shoulder to shoulder with the wickedness of this world. But rather, stand up with God. Stand on His side. Who is on the Lord's side? The Scripture says. Who is on the Lord's side? We are are to stand up with Him. We are to stand on His side. And in standing up on His side, we are showing ourselves unto Him. We are presenting ourselves unto Him that we are servants of You, O God. We have given ourselves, standing on Your side, we have given ourselves to You. There's a lesson in there for us. That whoever you stand up with, Understand, you're going to end up serving them in some capacity. Whoever you're standing with, you're going to end up serving in some capacity. So if you're standing with the world, you're going to find yourself serving the world. If you're standing on their side, you're going to find yourself serving on their side. If you're standing up with God, and you're standing on His side, then you're giving yourself to His service. That's what He's telling us here. We are are to stand up with God. We are to stand on His side. And in that standing up with Him on His side, we are presenting ourselves to His service. Lord, I'm on Your side. Now, the only way we're on His side is that He's first on our side. That He has brought us to Himself. That's the only way we can stand with Him. Being dead to our sin, living unto Christ, it is only in that relationship with Him that we are able to stand up with Him. The world cannot stand up with God. The world cannot yield itself to Him. It is only God's people that are able to yield themselves with Him. It is only God's people that are able to stand up with God. Isn't it an awful thing that God's people would stand up with the world? Isn't it an awful thing that God's people who have experienced His grace, that have enjoyed His blessings, 
that understand what it is to have Christ Jesus and to have their sins washed from them, to have justification in them, that they would dare ever give a place. And that's, that's what Paul is talking about there in verse number 12 when he says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. If you're giving sin a place to reign in you, then you're standing up with the world. You're aligning yourself with them. With it. He says, don't do that. Don't give sin that place. Stand up with God. Stand on His side because He is the one that has redeemed you. He is the one that has given you life. He is the one that has washed for you your sins. He is the one that has given you eternity. He is the one that has blessed you with all the blessings that you enjoy. Stand up with Him. Stand on His side. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Stand with Him as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And He says, For sin shall not have Dominion over you. Sin shall not have dominion. It doesn't have reign over us. In the grace of God, it doesn't reign over us anymore. Don't give it that place. Don't give it that place in you. It don't have any authority over you unless you give it that authority. It don't have that control over you unless you give it that control. Don't let it reign in your mortal body. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And then he, he asks the same question that he did in the first part of the chapter. What then shall we, shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? God forbid. Absolutely not. Know ye not, listen now, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself, to whomever you're standing with, You're yielding yourself servants to obey. You're giving yourself as a servant to obey. Whomever you stand with. And so this, this, this is where that presenting comes into place. That show as it's translated. That's where that, that, those words come in. That if we are standing alongside, whoever we're standing alongside of, we're giving ourselves as servants to obey. Are we standing with the world? Are we standing with Christ? Whom are we giving ourselves as a servant to? Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are. To whom ye obey. Whether of sin unto death. Or of obedience unto righteousness. Who are we standing with? Who are we standing with? Now, again, 
We sin. We fail. We come short. Every single day. Many, many times a day. Again, I don't know that we could count them all. There's, there's some that we know of. There's some that are stark to us. There's some that, that in doing so, we're instantly convicted by it. We instantly see it. And, and Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me that I allowed that to even come in my... Lord, forgive me that this is even in my thoughts today. Lord, forgive me that I, that I spoke that way. Lord, forgive me. Whatever the case may be, it instantly comes in as we... And, and we're able to see it right away. But there are others that we, don't even, we may not even be aware of. In fact, David prays, Lord, show if there be any wicked way in me. Show me. Charles Spurgeon said if we could lose our salvation because of sin, he said, alas, this fickle, feeble soul would fall 10,000 times a day. Is it 10,000? I don't know. Maybe more than that. We fail him constantly. We come up short. Don't take the failures of the flesh and give it rain in your life. Hate the sin. Die to that sin. Live unto Christ. Don't allow our sin to continually drag us down, but rather live unto Him. Stand with Christ. Yield yourselves to Him. Stand with Him. Serve Him. Keep your eyes fixed on Him as we go through our day. Fixed on heaven. Fixed on eternity. Fixed on our Lord. That we would be the servants to Him that He's called us to be. That we would live for Him. And not live for self. To whom have you yielded? Have you yielded unto sin? Have you yielded to this world? Are you standing alongside, arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder? Or are you standing before God? Where are you? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Stand. Stand with God. Stand with Him. Let's stand. Brother Gordon, would you bring us to something?